Listen to how bad this music is. Uh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk until you introduce me, Mo. <laughs> I had to talk about that music because it's so bad. That's why I chose that. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me is the man who recently declared that he would rather be called by his last name, Tilly. He's Doug number one super guy. The song didn't listen, Mo. I don't know the why. The song does not listen. We got to get uh, we got to get Ike to to do you another one where it's where it's right. just Tilly. He's just be- Tilly. This <laughs> the song should be called "The Man They Called." <laughs> I, c- I could live with that. Yeah, I, well, uh, I only I only call you that when I'm mad at you. Tilly, God, Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, Mo. Yes, we are back, back again. Look who's back! It's us, friends. Uh, we're here, to <laughs> and uh, this week uh, we are going to be talking about a very low-budget film from the early '90s. How lucky for us! Uh, this is really my favorite period of um, shot-on-video features because uh, people are really having to use the resources that are made available yep. to them, and this time. We're going to be talking about a very special film from 1992 called Dead is Dead, directed by Mike Stanley. And starring Mike Stanley. And written by Mike Stanley. And edited by Mike Stanley. This is a Mike Stanley-a-thon here uh, in Dead is Dead, and Mike Stanley has really ridden the wave of Dead is Dead glory since making this film in 1992. Not only did he, uh, in 1998, uh, or was it, no, sorry, 2008, Ooh. many years later, put together a director's cut of Dead is Dead. Because that was demanded. Which, uh, the, cr- the crowd wanted it, Mike Stanley delivered, you, he gives the people what they want. It's true. Uh, and just in 2011, uh, he did Dead is Dead again, which is, I think he's using a lot of the same footage that he shot for both Dead is Dead and a prospective sequel that never actually got completed. I think the, the director's cut incorporated some of that footage into it. Uh, anyway, my first experience with this film was a few years ago, Mo. Oh, yeah? And I watched it, and I'll be honest with you, and I, again, we, we never like to give away our feelings at the beginning well, of the Well, we always episodes. do. We always do, but I didn't care for it, (laughs) which is why I thought it was important that you saw it and also didn't care for it. (laughs) It's true, man. I I was was not... Impressed? I I was not impressed. I was... I, I would even go so far as to say that this may have been one of the harder movies we've ever watched. Now, I'm not going to say it was as painful as... Hip hop locos, but it certainly mm. took me longer time a, a longer time to watch. It is a, uh, a slog. It is a difficult movie to get through, and it's only really like a couple of minutes longer than Hip Hop Locos is. Yeah, it's only seventy four minutes yeah. long. It is. It is not feature length. Uh, so the incorporation of that sequel footage probably almost got it up to a uh, ninety minutes, which is good for Mike Stanley. <laughs> uh, but uh, you would not know that this movie was a 
poor example of filmmaking from its review on the IMDb, which, <laughs> suggests, which suggests that not only is it awesome, uh, or that it delivers, but that it, uh, it really is a... Well, let's make it clear. The review isn't for Dead is Dead. It's a review for Dead is Dead, the director's cut, which is supposed to be so superior that they gave it 10 out of 10 stars. On par, if not better, than Schindler's List... Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about creme de la creme. So that is the expectation I went into it with. Yeah. And certainly that review wasn't written by Mike Stanley. Why would you suggest such a thing, Mike? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Uh, he, he, or maybe is there, there are some dead is de- dead super fans out there. And if that is the case. Would you call them dead, uh, dead is deadites? No, I'd call them dead is deadheads. <laughs> oh, Touche. <laughs> yeah, touche indeed. But yes, we will discuss Dead is Dead and its various failings and successes. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot more, more of one than the other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the biggest problem with Dead is Dead, and we'll probably uh, we'll, this will become very clear once we start talking about it, is that it is the reverse of how a movie is supposed to be set up in that it slows down as it goes along. It really does. A movie, yeah, it, it starts out... At a reasonable pace, at a reasonable clip, and uh, and as it goes, it, there are just more and more establishing shots, more and more scenes of people just walking around, a lot of unfocused, and it the dialogue which starts out sparse just gets less and less and less to, to the point that um, that this episode holds the record for lowest number of uh, of audio clips we've ever taken. You know, now we had just set that record not too long ago with uh, I forget which one it was, but a couple of movies back I think, mm-hmm. uh, where we had only grabbed thirteen audio clips. In this one, we only have eleven, and the last two, uh, I should say that the 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 third to last one is at like the twenty six minute mark in the film. So from like the ha- from like the, the, the all, most of these clips are from the first half of the film the second half of the film such such l- little like s- you know like nothing happens <laughs> to the point that there's only two worthwhile lines to grab you know it's it's it was so hard to get through the second half of this film and it's not that necessarily that the, in the second half of the film the dialogue is bad, which it is, but it's not just that it's bad, it's that there's almost none there's of it. There's none! I mean, we literally took every semi-memorable, for good or bad reasons, bit of dialogue in the movie, and we came up with ten clips, and that doesn't even count, like, we didn't even take, like, like you used that music clip at the beginning, that doesn't include that. Yeah. We're just talking dialogue. Yeah, and one, of the, and one of the clips that I grabbed is actually from the FBI warning at the beginning of the, of the movie. <laughs> So I'm going to play that now so we can get that one out of the way. Sure. This is the FBI warning, you know, and, and I actually got a huge kick out of this because it had nothing to do with Dead is Dead. It's more uh, outlaw video. Oh, I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's from the outlaw video logo. It's, it's And that is brilliant. And, and you see that... Uh, that introduction at the beginning of, of a few uh, of the films from this time period. Yeah. I think it's Video Outlaw, not Outlaw. Oh, Outlaw, yeah, yeah, Video right. Outlaw. My bad. Uh, you're bad indeed. And yeah, you see it at the beginning of some of those Todd Sheets movies. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and it always has that over the, uh, 
the FBI warning. One of the <laughs> other things I noticed about the movie that I found kind of uh, surprising, um, I mean, I guess maybe not for the time, because, but it certainly seems a little shocking by today's standards, was that this was put out by Tempe. Right? That it actually got a real release. Yeah, it got a real release. I mean, and like from J.R. Bookwalter of all people, it's just like criminy. Like, what did he I mean, see in this film that made him go, hmm, I need to distribute this? <laughs> that is a very good question, because even on the standards of the time, even compared to some of those Todd Sheets films of this exact same time period, this is a very poor film. Uh, and, it does, and it also is a film that feels incredibly unfinished. It feels like they either ran out of time or money or participation, and then it just needed to be pasted together. Mm. Because the scenes that kind of connect everything together in the second half all feature only one person, hmm. director Mike Stanley. <laughs> uh, and if you wanted to diagram what the plot of this movie is, you just wouldn't be able to do it. It doesn't make any sense. No. Let's talk about the plot for a moment. Please. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. This isn't a zombie movie. We should make that clear right off the. Yeah, time. they talk about zombies kind of nonstop during the movie, but never once. I mean, well, I guess you know, you, you see like a hand that might be a zombie. I think yes, it's but, supposed to be more like a mutant zombie thing. Yeah, but yes, but it's never explained. You know, I mean that scene's never explained. The quote unquote zombies are explained, but then they're right. but then they're never shown. Right. Ever. Uh, so yeah. So basically, the idea is, is this: is that we've got this guy um, Eric, Eric, who uh, stumbles upon you know through some freak accident um, involving some mutant zombie arm thing uh he ends up meeting a woman who who injects him with some uh experimental medication uh starting off a chain of events that ends with you know everybody dying i guess yeah it, it well let's make it clear eric is played by mike stanley so he is the star of the film uh and he is Sort of a deadbeat. We don't know anything about his past. It, it suggested, I guess, that he was a drug addict because they keep showing, like, it even opens with scenes of him, yeah. uh, like cutting cocaine, uh, and and it, I guess, right? Yeah, that's never really explained. It's either. never explained. There are these weird sort of throughout the entire movie. There are these weird sort of like shot in a really bad kind of stop motion effect, um, like interstitials. That are supposed to like tie scenes together, but they they, they don't they don't give away any of the storyline. I think they're just supposed to be sort of glimpses into Eric's backstory, um, but they don't make. This is all in his head. I, I'm assuming I'm assuming they're, it's all memories, but none of it makes any sense. None of it plays into into the actual storyline itself. Um, you know, it's just it's just all kind of weird, kind of insanity. I mean. So Eric, uh, so Eric gets injected by this this kind of miracle drug. Well, maybe we shouldn't skip ahead to that part of the plot since we're going to cover it anyway. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, we're uh, that's what we do with (laughs) nobody. Skip ahead because we just want to (laughs) forget. So it kind of opens up with him um, in a confessional, and I, I, you know, like Doug insisted I, I. I did. <laughs> I get this clip, and it's it's two minutes long, so I apologize for that. It is the entire like backstory of the entire plot. Yeah. 
He says he, it's a monologue. It's this big, long fucking monologue. But there are like I'm, ten seconds of silence in between each line that he says, and it's just. I was typing along with the dialogue as I was going, and I and I, like, my typing is okay, but I get I, I mean I was easily getting every word because he pauses so often. Yeah. Well, here here we go. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been over a year <laughs> since my last confession. It was seven seconds. Okay. All right. Now, shut it off. Shut off that clip. (laughs) (laughs) That was seven seconds. That was like, that was seven (laughs) seconds between like, you know, like, like, I don't, I don't know if, if people truly understand what I do for the show, but a lot of my (laughs) job involves cutting things up, you know, and, uh, and making things flow better. And, And a lot of the times that, all it takes is fractions of a second to do that. Mm-hmm. And he's allowing himself seven full seconds between between lines. That is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me summarize what he said in that two Please. minutes very easily. He borrowed money from someone to help out his brother who was in a mental institution. He didn't use it to help his brother. He used it for drugs instead. His brother died in a fire that was set by the person who gave him the money he left town, and this is his first day back. Yeah, see? And he's here to pay back a debt. And it took you like a second and a half to say all of that. <laughs> and I'm going to cut it. We have to... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, we, uh, yeah. So that's it. That, that's what all that was about. But now you get to understand that that's what Mike Stanley is. He's a, he's, he's a badass. I'm so glad he's that we didn't play badass. that whole clip. <laughs> we just cut the episode in half. Uh, I'll play it at the end explain... of the... I'll play it at the end of the episode. <laughs> We don't usually, and in fact, maybe this is because of me, because I'm such a sensitive soul, but I don't usually like to comment on a person's appearance in the film, particularly from 1992. I mean, we had fun with uh, with, with some of the people with their Zubaz pants and stuff like that. Yeah. Mike Stanley has a very distinctive look. Would you agree with that, Mo? I would agree that it is, yeah, distinctive is the nicest word I could think of. Describe him for me, please. Well, okay. Here's okay. what I want you to imagine. Mm. Imagine Johnny Ramone. Ooh. Now give him, a, you know, an ape-like jaw. Uh-huh. And now give him, or like a Ron Perlman type jaw. I mean, I guess, ah. you know, ape-like mm. is still a, the, you know, lantern jaw. Um, uh-huh. Now give him, uh, like, a five o'clock shadow. Ah. Uh-huh. And now give him a mullet. <laughs> so he has that very defined sort of almost bowl haircut front that Johnny Ramone mm-hmm. had, and the back goes into a nice, and nice is not the right word, but goes into a really horrible mullet. Yes, he has. He has the Johnny Ramullet. Yes, he has a Johnny Ramullet. Right after he leaves, <laughs> copyright Bill Porn, uh, two thousand twelve. <laughs> <laughs> That style's coming back, so I'm glad that you did copyright yeah. it. Uh, we see him leave the church, and not only does he... He wears, like, a big, long, like, a, like a trench coat. It was required the in the 90s that every that every sort of uh, filmmaker, artsy-type person uh, would had to had to own a uh, black trench coat. It's a very artsy film, I this should is very arts. This is uh, an art film. <laughs> this is an art film, all right. That's why it doesn't make any sense. Um, but when he walks out of the church, his pants are tucked into his socks, uh, and he looks... 
Like, he, like there's much of the. Are you sure it was his pants movie. tucked into his socks, or is it just the fact that he's wearing elastic cuffed sweatpants? Maybe it's because he is wearing the elastic cuffs sweatpants. Now that I think about it, and I'm already thinking about it too much. <laughs> he has a very odd look, and he is presented as not only a badass who always has the right thing to say to his enemies, <laughs> but he's also <laughs> irresistible. <to him. laughs> because the, I mean, we'll see this in just a second, but his first encounter with a female, literally. 30 seconds later they're 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 moving to make out it is un fucking believable that this ape man well in all in all fairness well yeah i know you i guess it, i guess it makes sense that he uh that yeah it's 30 seconds after we're introduced to the character but it's supposed to be yeah. 24 hours after she meets him she spent a long time with his unconscious yeah. body but she only has known him as a living human being for 30 seconds yeah. All right. So this is going to happen in just a second, so I don't know why we jumped ahead. So he goes from the church right to the middle of the woods because apparently he has some money stashed away in the woods for some reason. Yeah, he's looking for a bag. And this is just like every movie that we encounter. There's a scene that takes place in the woods. I always think of, like, the woods as being, like, the international waters of low-budget movie making because anything goes. (laughs) Just go out to the middle of the woods. Yeah, it's true. I mean, anything anything goes, anything can happen, and it doesn't cost anything to film there. (laughs) Right, exactly. It's like we could just throw ourselves at these trees all day. You know, I mean, I just – I did an interview with a a director not too long ago, and I asked him, you know, like – you know, like why, like the whole first half of the film takes place in the woods, and he's like, "Well, because I didn't have to get a permit to film there." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, I guess right. that makes sense." <laughs> so he's looking for this money. We don't know at, the, at this point that it's money, but we're guessing he's looking for something like that. And he's trying to grab under a rock. He hears a sound, and a creature jumps out, and pulls his fucking arm off. And now, don't and say, like, don't no. A creature does not jump out. Because all, no. all you see is a hand. All you see is a hand. Yeah. It's like a fuzzy My Pet Monster style. Yeah, it's like, he, it's like he went noodling and, 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 you know, had a really bad trip. But it severs his arm. Pulls his arm right off. Which, I, it did catch my attention that the, what is apparently the lead character gets his arm ripped off or bitten off uh, this early in the film. And he passes out, which is a reasonable reaction. Correct. And that's when he wakes up. He wakes up. He didn't die, even though he's in the middle of the woods. He somehow didn't die. He wakes up, and he's um, in the presence of a lovely young woman, Laura. Where am I? Don't move. Don't move. Be still. She's still really hot. Line. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, I really must have had a nightmare. I thought my arm was gone. It was. It was. It was. I must have really had a nightmare. I thought my arm was gone. Yeah. It was. (laughs) He takes this information with gentle good humor in that he doesn't seem that surprised that somehow he grew his own fucking arm back. (laughs) What's great is that he explains to Laura who seems very nice, uh, what he was doing in the woods. He was looking for this bag he lost, he said. As he's explaining what he was doing, they do flashback footage of literally 30 seconds yep. ago. 
It is amazing. It is like it's it's like saying, I, "Do you remember the time that I explained something <laughs> about what happened before?" And it was like it's happening right now. <laughs> it was. So we discovered it was almost it was almost kind of reminiscent of uh, of the end of Rock and Roll Space Patrol. <laughs> we're no like, kidding. "Oh my god, we're watching it again." <laughs> so we discover. Uh, a few uh, important pieces of information that are very bizarre. One is that Laura, she uh, used to work at this mental hospital that his brother died in that burned down. And she took from this, uh, the remains of the hospital, I guess, this drug. Uh, and it's called, was it Doxitol? Doxitol. Doxitol. And this drug that they were testing on the patients basically can grow back limbs and bring the dead back to life. Yep. And she... Used it to bring him back to life. I mean, I guess she's a nurse, and I don't know why she was wandering around the fucking and woods said, and why she had it. Yeah, with her. She, she. Well, she said she's been taking it as like a like a daily supplement for herself. Yeah, like a vitamin, right? Yeah. Which, which is great, awesome. However, she doesn't seem to see the potential for everybody in the world to want this. Yeah, <laughs> she doesn't seem like it's such a big deal. It's not even like she even is working with someone. She just. She just takes it every day so she'll live forever and can grow her arms back and shit. Well, that's what I would do. You know, fuck, fuck so everybody been, else. I want to live forever. <laughs> he's been dead for 24 hours. He's back with his arm. Mm-hmm. He introduces himself. I'm Eric. She introduces herself. I'm Laura. I'm Laura. Yeah. And then they lean in to kiss each other. But they hear a noise. Yeah. That, this is... In terms of the weirdest relationships in the history of the universe and how quickly they must have progressed, she must have some sort of, di- like, mental problem that attracts her to lunatics. I mean, she, she, he looks like a homeless guy. He was rooting around the fucking Yeah, woods. and as she's explaining to him, like, how the, how the medicine's working on him, like, he's staring at her with the blankest stare I've ever seen. Like and it's, it's like like you can't tell how, like, how he's responding to what she's saying. Like, it's almost, like... It's almost like like Asperger's, you know, like he just like doesn't understand what she's, you know, like what she's doing. We we are not strictly saying that Mike Stanley may have some sort of mental problem. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> what I'm saying is Eric probably does. Right. The character. This is his, I mean, his performance really brings that forward. So Doxital, it's it's uh, this blue liquid uh, that's that. <laughs> They distribute in these film containers. Yeah, I don't, why, like why is it in a film canister? Like, that's... but that's that's what it is. Mm. So that sound happens, uh, and Eric goes to check it out, and then they cut <laughs> to an entirely different scene. We don't know what happens there. Yep. All of a sudden, Eric is now talking to some guy. This guy who looks like a dork. Would that be accurate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got the big glasses. Is you know, like me dork um and he's talking to tony tony the dork but tony isn't a dork in this movie no maybe in real life but in the movie he is a badass and in fact he's the guy that eric borrowed the money from yeah yeah so they need to make amends and the way that eric thinks that this is going to happen is by this magic blue liquid it's you know here's the thing that i don't get i mean Mm. eric had gone away and there had been no real, uh, you know, nothing was really said that Tony was after him. Right. Or that Tony knew where he was or anything like that. I mean, if we had listened to the full clip at the beginning, like the last line he says is, I came to repay a debt. 
Right. You know, so it's like it's like does he have such a like a high moral fiber that that he feels like he really does need yeah, to like repay that, his that debt. he needs to repay I mean like he needs to pay back the money to the to to the guy who, what? I have a question for you, Mo. You know undesirable people. I do, actually. S- yeah, so you'd probably know the I'm answer in a band. to this. S- say you borrow money from someone that you shouldn't borrow money y- from, yes. right? And then you can't pay it back, and they send someone to break your legs, and they do. Yep. Do you still owe them the money afterwards? Yeah. Yeah, you do, right? So maybe that's what he's thinking, that he's been through enough, and he's coming back, and he's going to pay back. But here's the thing. He went away. He didn't just go away, though. Tony... Burned down, <laughs> for some reason, a mental institution, theoretically killing many people, including his own brother. So that, to me, would be, uh, I guess we're square, you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, you, you know, you owed me, you, you know, you borrowed money and you paid for drugs and I killed your brother in a fire. Uh, we're even. But instead, he wants to make amends. So he's going to offer him this liquid. Uh, I don't know what sort of deal Eric worked out with Laura. We don't ever hear about it. But yeah, you do. Eric, he, d- he says he just took it. He just took it because he's an yeah. asshole. Because Laura makes bad choices in her life, and that is probably because she probably didn't get enough field. attention from her father. I, I think you know. I think we are the people who should have been working in this mental institution. <laughs> so, what does Eric do to demonstrate the effectiveness of this liquid? He chops off his finger, like any normal person. And the best part about this is because the drug works in twenty-four hours. Yeah, you know, so it's not like he can just show them right so then. Yeah, so so I was sitting there thinking, like, and they didn't really explain the twenty four hour thing quite as well as they probably should have. But <laughs> but he cuts his finger off, and he's like, "If you come back here tomorrow, I guarantee you it'll be back." If I was Tony, I'd be like, "I ain't coming back." Yeah, and to- <laughs> you know, Tony's totally. If I was Tony, I would have been like, "You're a fucking psychopath," <laughs> you know. And then I liked, and then they cut to his finger, and they show like this this like <laughs> charred and grizzled sort of finger, which is. Not really what would have happened if he had cut it off, but I mean, it was an interesting effect. Yeah, interesting. That is one word I would not necessarily <laughs> use. It looks like the finger is poking through some felt. Oh, without a doubt. Something. Yeah, it's pretty. It's awful. It's <laughs> awful. But, you know, whatever. And we go from there because this movie is jumping around like it's supposed to be like, a, like an art film. Uh, we get like carnival noises and more drug imagery. It's like a fucking So, I mean, it does explain that he was a drug addict, so I guess it makes sense that that you would get some parts of his past, but it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't make any sense. You know, I mean, like, it's the epitome of filler. Yeah, and this movie, oh boy, we're only starting with the filler. Yeah. This is filler. <laughs> filler. Thank you. Not- okay. Uh, so the next day, he gets, uh, <laughs> he goes back to see Tony, right? Because it's 24 hours later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he goes he shows his hand. He's like, I count five, Tony. <laughs> like, Tony's, like, Tony's like, wow, <laughs> gee, that's amazing. And he works out the deal, which is that he has a box of it. There's twelve bottles of it, and if he forgets about the money he owes him, he'll give it to mm-hmm. him because it is something that could be worth literally limitless dollars. <laughs> The the fact that the characters in this, I mean, some of them see that it could be a valuable thing, but they don't seem to grasp the idea that this could theoretically eliminate death <laughs> might be something that there's all sorts of easy ways to make money off of that. Yeah, and, and the great thing about it, I mean, it's like towards the end, uh, one of the characters sort of seems to have an idea about it, but even the numbers that he's throwing around are ridiculously low. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it when it gets there, but it's just ridiculous. T- Tony is a real jackass of a character because he just doesn't get yeah. it. Uh, but what he does do at this point, even though all he had to do was take the formula and he could go off and be rich, he decides that that's just not enough. So he calls his good friend, not Tilly. What's what's his good friend's <laughs> Doug. name? Doug. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, hey, Doug, this is Tony. And he asks him to do a little job for him. And when bad guys say that, it means they want these other people that they're talking to to do something bad as well. Yeah. And so that were there. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just I'm like having flashbacks to the scene, man. Uh, this is like the central scene, I would say, in the entire movie in terms of ac- action. Yeah, well, it's it's man, I, I still I still I'm like my my throat doesn't want to produce the the word good because <laughs> it's not. Um, well, then you don't have to worry about it. I but guess. it's you know it's like it's the best thing that happens in the movie, though. You know mm. what I mean? And that's not and that's not a good thing. <laughs> so let's set it up. Eric is walking a lonely dirt yes. road. He's like, uh, I, I would compare him to Bill Bixby in The Incredible Hulk. Or He's Kane all alone. from Kung Fu. Uh-huh. I mean, he could go bang Laura because she's just waiting for him. Exactly. Uh, and she obviously digs him. But no, he's going to walk this dirt road by himself when suddenly, just, just like in Steven Spielberg's classic duel, a truck <laughs> appears out of nowhere and follows him. <laughs> I love this because it comes up behind him. And he's like, whoa, this guy, he's got some kind of problem with me. And he grabs onto the back of another truck that we didn't know was there. Yeah. Like, they didn't establish that there was a truck in front of him. It just looked like he was alone. But he's like, I'm going to get away by producing a truck in front of myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Wonder Twin Powers activate form of truck. Yes. <laughs> I can bring myself back from the dead. And I can form. Okay, So he climbs up onto the back of this truck. And by the way, the person that's chasing him in his pickup truck is Doug. Doug's been hired to run him down. Booyah. Uh, and <laughs> Eric's way of climbing above this vehicle, <laughs> which doesn't seem perturbed about what's going on behind it, he climbs to the front of it and... Uh, <laughs> and like, like he falls himself a, up on like a ladder that's attached to the Ladder that's on the roof of it, that's right. But anyway, it doesn't work out too well for him. Nope. He, nope, ends, up, he, gets he ends up dead. On the side of the road. And in this movie, Mo, dead is dead. Not always. Mm. (laughs) Maybe that's what it should have been called. Dead is dead, not always. (laughs) (laughs) Made it like a Mel Brooks-style comedy. And someone comes and takes the the film container out of his pocket, and so the bottle of of Doxital, and runs off with it. The same Doxital that he was just going to give to Tony. Yep. Next is one of the strangest scenes in the entire movie. <laughs> this is the only scene in the movie where when you watch it, you're like, is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> is that what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, cause he kind of goes into uh, Laura's house. He goes into her house, unannounced. Completely unannounced. For all we know from watching the film, after their encounter and he went off to look at whatever the noise was, he just ran off with the drug. Yeah. And this is the first time he's seen her since. She's in the shower. Yeah. How, how does he respond to that moment? Well, he gets in the shower with her. He opens up the curtain and spins her around, and then with water splashing on him and her naked in front of him, he goes, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she, 
She's like one of those people who fall in love with like serial killers. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> because then he explains what happened, which is that uh, that he used the medicine <laughs> that you left in the woods. He goes, I, I used the medicine that you left in the woods to pay off a debt. And her immediate response isn't like, what the fuck are you doing? I could have made like millions if I wanted yeah. to. She goes, do you need more? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's an enabler, I would suggest. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We also now get the most important secondary part of the plot that never gets resolved uh, <laughs> brought up. The, which is uh, that, yeah, this is the uh, this is the first unresolved plot point of the film. <laughs> <laughs> not counting every not not everything else, so but this is this is the first of many. <laughs> so Doxital, in its pure form, is blue. blue. It's kind of, uh, it looks like scope or something. <laughs> like blue scope. <laughs> uh, and, but sometimes, like in, uh, in this case, Eric looked in her fridge, he found some green doxital. Now the green and, one, mm-hmm. and this is important, that's a spoiled batch. Which she keeps in her fridge. That she keeps in her fridge. She doesn't throw it out. She doesn't do anything with it. She just keeps it in her fridge. Right. It's a bad batch, and it does things, theoretically, to people who ingest it. Correct. You might be thinking, <laughs> audience, that that means we're going to get uh, like a, a gang of zombie mutant uh, mental patients who, at the end of the movie, they're all going to come, and there's going to be sort of a fight. Okay, that doesn't happen. I was kind of, you yeah, might no. think. Like, the second they, they introduced the whole concept that the other one turns you into a zombie, like I, like, I immediately was thinking, well, maybe we might get some good sort of, like, zombie rampage-style zombie action. No. Uh, Mo, let me quote again from the IMDb review here. <laughs> Director Mike Stanley doesn't throw the gore in your face. In fact... Zombies and gore are not the main focus of this film. So forget what you said, Mo. He doesn't care about zombies, okay? Because they cost money. (laughs) And they cost (laughs) time, I guess. (laughs) Because, no, this introduction of this plot point is only to explain why we have seen that mutant hand. and, uh, And that will come up again at one point. But then it never, never gets brought up again. That's right. I would say at this point, Eric is upset. Right? Because someone tried to kill yeah. him. And he, he knows who it was. He knows that Tony fucked him. <laughs> oh, man. This movie's In fact, killing uh, me. Yeah, I know. This has been We're my whole day. This movie's been my whole day. I had one. I had one. Bit, I had mode. one bit of respite where, where you know, where I got to uh, to to bang on some drums, and now I'm back spending my time talking about this movie. I think you just used up so much energy banging those skins. I, Is that what you say? <laughs> I don't know. I bonk buckets. Bonking buckets. After bonking the shit out of those buckets, you just can't bring <laughs> yourself to face <laughs> this movie. But I'm not going to yawn on Mike again because that got me a lot of shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From the listeners. Professionalism. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony gives Doug a call. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and I guess at this point we're supposed to think that Tony is actually experimenting with some of these drugs. Yeah. In fact, he even explains it a little bit. I have a bad feeling today. Nerd. Yeah, I took some of the liquid. 
Mm-hmm. One sided conversation. Tell you what, I gotta get going. I'll talk to you later. Right. Very important. Right. It's very important that we know that he took some of that liquid. <laughs> <laughs> because in the very next scene, we see that when Tony goes to his kitchen, Eric is there with a gun. Did he not suspect, by the way, <laughs> that since he saw Tony, sorry, Tony saw Eric's finger grow back, so he knew he was taking the liquid, yeah. and he knew that it theoretically had the property of bringing people back from the dead. Did he suspect that maybe trying to kill him might not have been successful, especially if you just leave his corpse? Well, I thought that was the, uh, wasn't that the whole point? Like, like didn't he say something like, "I had to make sure it worked"? Or something re- really? So this was a test. I think it was, yeah, I think he plays it off like it's some kind of test. Well, in that case, don't you think he would have be expecting Eric to show up <laughs> with a gun? <laughs> Look, you're you're trying to you're trying to uh put too much logical thought into dissecting this film because well, Tony, if you think about it too much, your brain will explode. Well, I'm going to think about it. And I'm going to take that risk. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric and Tony have a little confrontation, and it is one of the highlights of the film. And once you hear it, you will uh, say, what, that's one of the highlights? And I will respond, Eric, yes. You said you yelled to Tony. Pull the trigger, Eric. <laughs> Shit. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. I got the gun. Which means I got the floor. So he's holding a shotgun right now. Tony, the balls. Wah, wah. Oh shit! That was him pulling another gun out of his. He pulled a handgun. He pulls a handgun out of his waist. He has a shotgun, <laughs> but he pulls a handgun out of his waist to shoot him. Well, he needs information, Mo. He's not looking to kill him just yet. <laughs> but that might not be the last shot. In fact, he voices it, the opinion that... You better know. Because this going to have you out of your ass. <laughs> so that next bullet is going to give him diarrhea. Yeah, I guess. I don't <laughs> is that, know. I believe that next bullet is made out of Taco Bell. Sorry, just coming back. You don't have the balls. Oh, oh yeah. Better ask your wife about that. <laughs> uh, you know, Doug. I got to tell you, you sounded about fifty percent tougher <laughs> than than Eric did in that in that scene. <laughs> he tries really hard, though. He really does try. Eric does get the information he needs. He finds out that the guy in the truck is Doug Hamill, super stud. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and that's the information he needs because he needs to get revenge on these people who've wronged him. That's what the movie's it's about. True. So, uh, but now that he's got the information, he's a lot more sympathetic to Tony. He wants to check on him, make sure he's okay. Shoulder. Earth. Nerd. Oh, wait. Fine. Wait, hold on. I gotta I gotta say something here. All right. <laughs> Eric has the shotgun on him again. Okay, the handgun is gone. Mm-hmm. Just bear that in mind. That was him pulling the handgun out again to shoot him in the leg. Oh, I fucked the line. He said, I bet your shoulder feels better. It was a stupid line. 
This was his hero line that you stepped all over, Mo. You know what? <laughs> I don't care. You turn his long pause into an even longer. <laughs> What's that? You turn his long pause into an even longer pause. <laughs> yeah, let's let's unpause and finish this clip. That last bit where he says, I got no choice. I got to go to Manhattan. He sounds like like one of the Marx brothers. (laughs) That line is overdubbed because it's got to transition into what is going to happen next. But it is so ridiculous because the audio sounds entirely different (laughs) and his tone isn't. It's just like, you thought wrong. Boom. Man, got no choice. Got to go to Manhattan. (laughs) You you were wrong. Also, who the fuck is he talking to? (laughs) Who's talking to the corpse? (laughs) Sure. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> you were wrong, so, Tony. I got no choice. Again, he, <laughs> I gotta go to Manhattan, see? He shot Tony in a way that theoretically has killed him. He shot him in the back of the head with the handgun. And, with the shotgun. And with dead. the shotgun over his shoulder. A shotgun blast is really hard to recreate in a film. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing that played a part in what we just saw. Wow. So... Laura and Eric, they have uh, another rendezvous <laughs> because uh, Eric has to head to Manhattan because apparently that's where Doug is. And we get a little bit more of an explanation, stuff that we really already knew, that the fact that Laura was a nurse. Uh, but we discovered that... S- this is really confusing to me. So some of the green Doxital got mixed in with what she gave Eric... And this is where we get a sense that the green has been turning uh, people into creatures. Yeah? It doesn't really give... I mean, that's... We already kind of knew that, but... Like, that's as much explanation as we have. So did he... Did Doug end up stealing some of the green? Is that what's happening here? I I have no idea. I There's green doxital out there. Yeah, I mean, it's out there. I just... I have no idea. Like, I mean, at this point, I'm pretty well confused with what's going on. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter because we're going to New York. Yeah. We're in Detroit, I guess. We're in Michigan at the very least. We're heading to New York City. Yeah, and uh, and and of course they have to uh, they they have to show you all of the things to prove to you that it's actually New York. It is. Um, I got I got to tell you, you know, despite the fog, uh, that shot of the of the pre nine eleven New York Manhattan skyline was was a pretty pretty well done. You know. Yeah. No, I mean, there's some nice shots in New York, early 90s New York. It looks, you know, ferry to Staten Island. Yep. Uh, you get to see the Statue of Liberty in the background. You get to see a nice marquee, which apparently is advertising the movie Cats. Ghost Sludge. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which one were you saying? Oh, I was saying when he walks by the giant advertisement for Cats. <laughs> That's what you see in New York, for all I well, know. Well, that's certainly what you saw in New York back then. Yeah. Before Giuliani, right? Uh. I don't know. (laughs) So the guy that we see walking around New York uh, is Doug. Uh, We see him do a lot of travelogue footage for some fucking reason. Because it's Uh, filler. (laughs) Yeah. And we also get to see Eric walking around. He's walking around New York as well. Will their paths meet? That is probably what you're really... I mean, you've got to wonder at this point. He's tracking him down. He's using his special tracking skills 
that we know nothing about. I kind of I kind of made the 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 comment while I was watching this film that like 60% of this film, if not more, maybe even maybe even 75% of this film is establishing shots. You know, like this movie this yeah. movie's so established that they feel they don't need to actually say anything. I've never seen something so established that still didn't make any sense. <laughs> You still never know where things are taking it's place true. or how they're it's happening, and they don't fit together, right? It's, really it's like pieces are missing all over the place. Oh, uh, but so, but getting back to what we were saying, um, yes, they do. They do intersect. Uh, Doug returns to his hotel room, um, and I don't know. He like walks around, starts unpacking things or whatever, and lights a cigarette <laughs> or something, and uh, and he turns around because the light turns on. And there's Eric laying on his bed. He's laying on his bed. He's like, hey, Doug. He's saying, hey, Doug, why don't you draw me like those French girls? <laughs> uh, but Doug is going to – Doug wants to call security or something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he obviously recognizes that this is the person that he murdered. <laughs> uh, and, and I guess he already has a general awareness of this uh, doxital, so maybe he's not so surprised. Yeah, he's like, you, but- can tell them, you can tell them a dead man's in here. <laughs> you are such a badass. Johnny Ramullet. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> but, you know, as Eric makes very clear, Doug shouldn't have been so surprised. This is the sort of thing you see in movies. This is the sort of thing that you... Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> now, don't tell me you've never seen a horror movie before. In every one of those movies... The dead guy, or gal, always returns to fuck somebody up. And that somebody's you. Why did he have to say and, or gal? I mean... <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I mean, this is 1992, I do, I do, so like, politically, I, the, political correctness wasn't, like, through the roof yet. I have to do a lot of guessing in this movie. I'm gonna guess that... <laughs> Mike Stanley, the director, writer, editor, lead actor... I think he might be a bit of a horror geek. Uh, that's proven or supported by the fact that uh, there are some clips from his YouTube channel that I put up on the Facebook site, our No, no Budget Nightmare site, uh, which show him talking about Night of the Living Dead, uh, showing him appearing on some like cable shows back in the early 90s. Um, and I think he is a big enough geek that he would want to include any of the horror films out there which also feature females returning from the dead to cause some sort of fucking up. <laughs> maybe. Maybe sure. that's what it is. Maybe he just, he just wanted an extra line to add another three seconds to his movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but that's not his M.O. His M.O. would have been to just take a three-second pause. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't give a shit about anything. He's back from the dead. He even says so. Now that I'm dead, I can piss off anybody I want. I had to think about that one for a second. I'm like, which one do I yeah. take now? <laughs> <laughs> and now he explains. I don't know why. I don't know why he gives so much more information to Doug. But he shows him the that there's blue and green liquid. And he goes, I can think, breathe, and act like I'm alive. Here- but the drug... T- Here's, some, here's something that I, that I find confusing about the character of Eric. This dude explains this drug to, like, every person he shouldn't be explaining it to. Sure. You know, like, every time he encounters somebody, and it's like, this is the bad guy. 
he's been established as the bad guy because he's already murdered you once. So, uh, so, Mr. Bad Guy, this is how this drug works. I mean, I mean, this is a very easy... All he has to do to change his entire life for the better... He's in New York fucking city. So there's people everywhere, right? True. So he goes to the middle of Times Square, and he chops his own arm off. And then the next day it grows back, and the doctor's like, how the fuck did this happen? He's like, I have this miracle goo. Now I'm going to market it and be the richest person in the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of trying to sell it to this fucking geek mob boss and his asshole subordinate. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Doug has a pretty great line in this scene, too, where like uh, he like he asks him if he knows what the blue and green liquid is. He goes, I don't even know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells him. So Eric now tells him. You know, I mean, this is just reiterating my my previous point, but he tells him exactly how it works and then says to him that whoever controls the liquid controls the world. He says that to him. And he doesn't even kill him. He doesn't even hurt him. Yeah, he just leaves. He leaves because Doug explains where the stolen case of this liquid is. (laughs) In fact... It's back in Michigan. Yeah, it's, he, goes, he goes, I traveled 1,200 miles for a box that's within walking distance of my apartment? Yes, idiot. Yeah. That's where it Moron. is. <laughs> I love how his, his closing line to Doug is, enjoy your stay while you can. <laughs> what, what does that mean? It's a threat, but what is he threatening? He's going back to Michigan. Exactly. Somehow I think they will meet again. Well, again, <laughs> again. <laughs> I like how I like how after after Eric leaves, the camera just kind of lingers on Doug for a while, and like an I mean like a ridiculous amount of time, it's like seven <laughs> or eight seconds of of Doug, and he's not doing anything. Like he just stands there, and eventually he starts packing up his his stuff. Yeah, I guess he's got to get back to Michigan oh. for some reason. And then and then I guess he um, go ahead. No, I mean it. We get now our second last look at the love interest in the film, Laura. Uh, because she apparently... I guess the idea is that Eric has called her and asked her to pick him up at the airport. Sure. Reasonable, right? Because he's heading back to Michigan. So Laura calls her friend Mary to borrow her car, and then she hears some very bad news about a plane crash. <laughs> this, uh, I, don't, I don't know, uh, it probably shouldn't have, but this, this was the biggest laugh for me. In in the film, because like I I could I mean it seemed to me like he just spliced like real news footage. He did. He put new real news yeah, footage, like in in, of, in with of, shots of like Doug lying on the ground. No, it's not oh, Doug. It's, it's him. What, it's oh, Eric. was it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, Doug is Doug isn't. isn't I wasn't paying. I wasn't paying enough attention then. No, no. So my bad. The news footage, by the way, is of a light plane, like like one of those like two people. Yeah, planes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it shows him, then it just cuts to him, like, laying on the ground with some fire around him. It's like, that's him laying in the wreckage. (laughs) No one's going to notice if he just gets up and walks away. So, he uses the fact that this plane crashed for some reason. We're never, it's never suggested that there was foul play. It's just really bad luck, I guess. Um, And he uses that excuse to fake his own death for no good reason at all. Why not? We see him running through a playground. In fact, we get, this is... Established shotorama. Uh, we just see him walking around, going to different locations. He's headed to the school, is where he's headed. Yeah, and he eventually gets to the school. Mm-hmm. Now here's the here. This was a, is a shot that confused me. Okay. Um, because 
he gets to the school and he's like looking around for to trying to find a way in. Uh, he, you know, he finds a quote unquote vial of the uh, of the liquid, <laughs> uh, and then he's attacked. Yes, by I assume a zombie. I mean, I think you're supposed to assume one of the green doxital creatures. Yeah. Yes, and uh, and the zombie pulls his heart out, rips his heart out of his chest. Yeah. Yes, which. If anybody goes to our Facebook page, uh, the shot that is currently our cover photo is Eric's face while he's having his uh, heart being his heart ripped out. I've been in situations in my life, Mo, where it feels like my heart has been ripped out of my chest. <laughs> I don't know if I can picture what it would be like if someone actually did it, but I can tell you with some certainty that I would not make the face that Eric makes <laughs> in that situation. His eyes bug out. It is the silliest fucking thing. It really thing. is. It was. A, I, it, it made me laugh. It made me titter with joy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, once he's dead, time moves slowly, <laughs> and the movie moves even slowlier. <laughs> we see scenes of water dripping and scenes of a bathroom for some reason. And because fuck it, to, that's why. <laughs> because time is supposed to be passing, so they're trying to show it's like time is passing. In movies, usually they show like the sun go down and back up, or something like that, or the clouds or like across a clock the sky. spinning. Sure. In this case, we just look at a bathroom, and like it's not even like it's a bathroom where oh maybe this is going back to his drug past. Him. No, it's just a bathroom. no. It's because he's saying this is shitty. Yeah, <laughs> this is where this is where this movie belongs. <laughs> <laughs> so he wakes up in the grass at a very unfortunate time. Um, again, we never find out what that creature was. It never gets brought up again. Yeah. He wakes up. The canister, the vial, is still on the ground. Mm-hmm. In fact, he even reaches to grab it, but... But... Tony whacks him in the face with a stick. I think it's like an axe. I think he's, it's supposed to be an axe. Oh, that he's well, taking. it looks like a stick. Well, I think it had like a blade on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he slashes him across the face. Tony's there. Tony must have knew, known that he was supposed to be there, and so he decides to fuck him up a little bit, and it works. Uh, and of course, uh, now we, though, we have to we have to take in mind that Tony is now alive again. Tony's now because alive because he was again, dead before. But in this movie, dead is not always dead. Now, one of the things that gets explained later is that when you kill somebody, it takes 24 hours for them to come all the way back. But at that point, they would probably have to take another dose of this, the, the doxital. Uh, so if they were to get killed right away again, they would be dead. And, and right? dead is dead. Right. So why didn't Tony, who just saw him wake up after being killed, why didn't Tony kill him? For good. Oh, that's a that's a um, a really good uh, question. The answer to that is because Tony's a fucking moron. Tony's Tony is a fucking moron. <laughs> but anyway, Tony celebrates his not killing of Eric by drinking with with Doug. They're two good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony, this is weird because the whole dynamic changes at this point. Tony is supposed to be the guy hiring Doug, but now Doug is the brains of the operation, and he should be. Because he's the one who doesn't look like a dude. Yeah, and he and he also has the brilliant idea of taking it to a uh, I don't know if she's supposed to be a chemist. I forget what they say, but like a, a laboratory geek friend of theirs who like reverse engineers the uh, the liquid for him because he said, "Well, I I put it together, but I can't remember what I used." <laughs> he has a formula mm-hmm. for Doxital. 
Bum, bum, bum. And, and uh, Tony's, uh, he's baffled by the idea that this is such a thing as possible. <laughs> I like Doug's re- response. He goes, Goddamn right is the formula. Ain't no margarita mix. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to, Doug is going to meet with uh, Sheila, I guess is the friend who did this reverse engineering, and is gonna, she's going to help them start producing the stuff, mm-hmm. at least until they don't need her anymore. Yep. They might kill her off because they're bad men. Yeah, of course, they're putting her in a room producing, you know, tons and tons of the, you know, the blue liquid. Why not just go into a partnership with her and everyone makes $900 billion? Exactly. <laughs> not, she, ha- by the way, has the talent that they need most. Yeah. And, we, and we should also we should also <laughs> mention that the uh, like that Doug has like a plan. You know, for for yes. for monetizing this this product, and uh, and the amount of money that he's supposedly supposed to be getting for this is like four point three million dollars. Four point three million. We, That's what he's aiming yeah. for. Nineteen ninety two. Four point three million dollars was a lot of money. Was a lot of money. But what? You know, what's better than a million dollars? A billion dollars. Exactly. I mean, he has <laughs> he has literally like a a trillion dollar idea. And he's like, yeah, it's okay, I'll, you know. I would say, Mo, that you can't actually put a dollar figure on something that would make you immortal. It's true. <laughs> uh, well, they do make they do the- make one really good point here, is that <laughs> for some reason, this product, although it can regenerate limbs and bring you back from the dead, does not slow the aging process. <laughs> That's very important for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't. Well, fuck this well, thing. So wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So if somebody shoots me in the head and I've drank the stuff, then I'll come back in 24 hours. But if I live to 90 years old and my heart gives out, I'm dead. <laughs> I don't what? I don't get it. It makes perfect sense, Mo. Now, dead of all dead. the scenes of Eric's character, the character of Eric, just wandering around doing shit fuck all, this now is the lengthiest. We see him walk around the city, and he keeps walking and walking and walking, and he's amongst abandoned buildings. And he sits on like a wall, and then he walks off yeah, the wall, and then he walks through some rubble. I mean, it looks like post-war Germany, but it's Michigan in the early 90s, so I'm guessing that's why. Yeah. But it, he just takes a big two-by-four, and he smashes it against the wall in frustration, when really he should be at least semi-pleased with the fact that he's not dead because Really, the only way he could have got killed is what the situation he was just in <laughs> would have allowed, yep. right? Yep. And he still knows Laura, who can get him all that shit that he wants. So what's what's the problem, man? Just grab it and go to the news. Yeah. But he wants revenge. He wants re-revenge over the two people who have fucked him. Uh, I love I love the uh, the 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 circular pattern of revenge in this film you know it's like so he borrows money from tony but he uses it to buy drugs so tony gets revenge on him by burning down the hospital that his brother's in so he gets revenge on him no but he doesn't ah, it makes no sense violence is a circle (laughs) and it won't end until everybody is dead is dead <laughs> so anyway, Clever. That was good. <laughs> Tony is in his garage trying to get his car to start, but it won't. Now, understanding once again that Tony at this point should at least suspect that Eric is still alive, or at least has the ability to come back, and will probably come looking for him. And they're about to int- like to enter into a sort of deal that will make him a millionaire. 
probably go to stay in a hotel for a couple of days yeah. just so Eric wouldn't be able to track him down. Yep. No, he's in his garage at home, and his car won't start. And who do you think might be in that garage with him? Well, they give you the idea that there's somebody at least in his yard because uh, uh, Tony opens up his, his garage door uh, and the sensor light is on. Right. When it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. So he does what any rational human being would do, and he closes the door. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that Eric is already behind him. <laughs> yeah. How? Uh, this, this Tony's a dummy. Yeah. Who knows? He's just behind, he's behind him. So he attacks. I didn't, a- I, I didn't ask you to get this line, Mo, but I do actually think it might be the best line of the entire movie. What's that? Where he, it's Eric, who, who of course is going to now threaten Tony as he is wont to do, and he goes, "Take your doxital today, Tony, because I'm going to kill you. Then I'm going to sit here, wait 24 hours to see if you come back, and if you do, I'm going to kill you again." Which is great because it sets up what the movie was about, yeah. and it's also great because he does go ahead and do that. Yep. He he shoots Tony like a bunch of times. Right, yeah. and he's got like, st- and Eric still has like a slash on his face. Yeah, and they do the uh, they do the 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 now classic, uh, you know, shooting at the camera with a with a cap gun, uh, yes. while ADRing in some really bad uh, gun sound effects. Yeah, it's the Las Vegas bloodbath school of shooting at things. Yeah, <laughs> if only this movie was half as good as Las Vegas bloodbath. <laughs> so, so. We uh we we see Eric sitting at Tony's kitchen table, and now we get a lengthy scene. No more establishing shots. This is just going to be Eric fucking around in the guy's house. He goes. I think he, is he eating pickles. Is that what he's doing? Yeah, he starts eating and eating pickles, looking at the guy's wedding photos. He's waiting. He's waiting for twenty four hours. And then he sits like he like sits on his like the kitchen floor. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the basement door opens. And it's Tony. Tony looking worse for wear, I might add. He's looking pretty shot. Looking, his skin tone has changed slightly. He's got now, for some reason, has sort of a weird Al look to his face. He has kind of a weird mustache for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, he's such, he's looking so bad at this point that Eric actually has a comment on it. You look and sound like a penis with dry Always the smart ass. <laughs> he says always a smart always ass. Always a smart Eric's, Eric's response is, shh, don't tell nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I debated about grabbing uh, grabbing that last bit as well. Uh, but I didn't want, I, didn't, I really didn't want to have to make any more of these clips longer than they absolutely had to be. <laughs> Mo? Yes? There's a lot of confusing moments in the film Dead is Dead, directed by Mike Stanley. <laughs> Edited by Mike Stanley. And and starring Mike <laughs> Stanley. But if I had to pick the most confusing, it is what now occurs in the film. Now, Eric has a tiny gun. <laughs> Sorry. He has a really, really tiny gun. Because it's not meant to shoot bullets. It's a cap gun, yeah. <laughs> it's a cap gun. So he's going to be badass, right? So he's going to look in it. He's going to open up the chamber for caps. Mm-hmm. And tell us that there's one bullet. There's one in the chamber, is what he says. All right. Now, by the way, remember, he's waited 24 hours for Tony to come back from the dead so he can kill him. Now he's going to just fuck around for some reason. He's going to 
point the gun at his own head, Russian roulette style, but he doesn't want to play Russian roulette. He is going to pull the trigger until he gets to the bullet. He fires the gun five times. Five times. Against his own head. Against his own head. You know? Then he does what any rational-minded human being would do and hands the gun to Tony. He gives Tony the gun. So now Tony knows that this next shot is going to be of the bullet. Right. So here's the part that here's the part of the film. This was absolutely the most confusing thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like this was the the uh, the ending shootout scene of Reservoir Dogs of this film, only minus any talent. Bullets get fired. Right. Eric hits the ground. Right. Dead. <laughs> Supposedly. Supposedly. But not really, because he moves immediately afterwards. Yeah, in fact, and there's no bullet and there's hole. no bullet hole. Then Tony hits the ground. Dead. dead. Bullet in the head. Bullet in the forehead. In the forehead. <laughs> oh. This, this is, the, I would consider this the Kennedy assassination conspiracy of our time. Because there's a magic bullet involved. <laughs> yeah, because clearly there was only one gun. Because there was, we only see Eric. one gun. You know, there's only and, one gun that we know of. When Tony, when uh, when Eric hits the ground, it's not like he's holding a gun in his hand. Yeah, that's right. It's not like it's not like Eric pulled out a gun, or that we're supposed to have implied that he pulled out a gun. They both hit the ground at the same time because it's supposed to make us think, oh, he just shot Eric. Which, by the way, I don't know what Eric's plan was in this situation. Like, did the gun backfire? If it did, could they have told us that? Yeah. So what we're left with is a dead Tony and no explanation whatsoever. There's a part of me that wants to see the director's cut of this strictly so I know what the fuck happened in this scene. Yeah, but how much you want to bet that doesn't tell you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm not going to risk watching this movie again <laughs> to, just, to, just to wonder if this one particular scene gets resolved at all. Poor form, Mike Stanley. Poor. Poor filmmaking. <laughs> so anyway, Tony's gone. He's dead. He got killed twice, and now he's fucked. Yep. So, uh, but Doug. Doug is still kicking. Uh, in fact, he, uh, he, even during that scene, like before, we see him meet with, uh, what's her name? The chemist. Uh, and they meet in a bar. Just another, there's no sound or anything. We don't hear the conversation. But he he's moving on. We're head, we're barreling towards the ending at this point. Doug is going to an abandoned building for a reason that is not explained to us. No, nope. and he's rooting around the basement for a reason that also is really explained. slowly. Yeah, really slowly, and he pulls out an envelope. Well, in hold the on basement, before right? before you before you uh, move on with the storyline because I know we want to be done with this. But <laughs> I, 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 there was one thing I wanted to point out about this scene. Doug is is moving around in the basement slowly. The score. For this part of this of this for this particular scene, is also ridiculously slow. So the whole thing combined is this sort of like perfect storm of just slow moving, you know, meandering kind of uh, you know nonsense. And like all it all it did, I mean, really, the only thing that that scene did for me is I, I yawned a lot. It also doesn't make any sense. It also makes no sense. 
because Doug is, is in the basement and he's taking out an envelope. Now, I would interpret this as the fact that he's, he's hidden the formula. Yeah. So he wants to make sure no one else gets it. However, while he's doing that, and I'm hearing you yawn. I didn't again, yawn. Mo, I, heard I swear I didn't. Yawn. I just would, yeah. <laughs> while he's doing that, Eric is back in his car, his truck, sorry, his pickup truck, and he's like rooting through it. He's going through his shit. And by the way, Doug has a really shitty pickup truck. All the seats are ripped up. <laughs> but he does have a car phone. This will be important in a moment. <laughs> but in his truck, there's also an envelope that that Eric picks up. And that also is, it's implied that the formula is in that. Yeah. That he just left in his unlocked pickup truck. But most so, importantly, of all the things that are in that pickup truck, there is a can of beer. I guess it's important. Oh, it's important. <laughs> the, the only good thing about this scene is that it leads to a phone call. Doug uh, gets in his truck <laughs> and drives off. Eric watches the whole time. and he, he, I don't know why you wouldn't just have confronted him immediately or come up behind him and just killed him. But Eric decides that instead he's going to put a quarter in a payphone and call him on his car phone. And I like how he starts. He goes, "Hey, you stupid fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you ever told to lock your doors in the rough part of town?" But he decides he is going to give the mother of all threats. It's really great. I, I think I might actually have the whole speech on here. Oh, okay, let's hear let's, it. Let's see. I advise you to go out and get baptized, see a priest, pray for your sins. The Santa Claus is coming to town. He's going to kick your fucking ass. <laughs> I advise you to get baptized, see a priest, and pray for your sins. Because Santa Claus is coming to town, and he's going to kick your fucking ass. Remember who's doing the threatening here. Bullhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Johnny Ro- Romullet. <laughs> the weird... <laughs> this is the early 90s, so I, I understand that this was a, a less enlightened time, but... The, the the really juvenile insults like when he talked about to Tony that he was gonna fuck his wife and stuff like ask your wife about my balls and stuff. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> Doug's response to this thread he goes I like a man with a sense of humor and Eric goes I prefer a woman myself oh shit snap oh man he totally burned Doug on that one oh. <laughs> 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 I want you to explain what happens next, Mo, because Doug, his response to being threatened is like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to be rich, so that's all I care about. And Eric gets very upset at this proposition. <laughs> what does he do? He just, like, he just like stands there, like, handling the phone. <laughs> he's like, waves it Yeah, he's like, he kind of, like, slowly waves it around and then kind of, like, twists on a pivot, you know, and slowly hangs the phone up. <laughs> He does a little phone dance. <laughs> it's really ridiculous. <laughs> but he will have the last laugh. Though I didn't, I don't know why. <laughs> Ex- actually, continue your explanation, Mo. I want to hear what happens to Doug immediately. Well, af- after that, he does what any you know what any person driving should do, um, and he drinks some of his beer. He's drinking a beer, you know, and it's a bush, which is disgusting. Mm-hmm. So the next thing, his next reaction makes total sense. He pours it out of his window. He pours a significant amount of that beer 
on the uh, ground. Yeah. Now keep in mind, this isn't like a like an eight ounce can. He's drinking like a tall boy. I mean, this is like a yeah. this is like a you know like a twenty ouncer. And uh, and he ta- he basically just takes a sip and then essentially just pours the rest of it out. <laughs> yeah, and then just tosses up the bent can yeah. onto the ground. Why is that important? Well, because it's implied. I don't think we actually even see it, but it's implied. We don't see it. But it's imp- it would have been nice to see yeah, it. Yeah, but it's implied that um, Eric uh, put some of the green liquid into it. I'm My name is Doug Tilly, okay? <laughs> I'm just a man. I am not a creative entity. I am not a screenwriter. I am not a person in the business. However, if I was going to make this movie... And this scene occurs where he spikes this character's uh, beer with uh, with this uh, doxital that is supposed to turn him into a monster. Mm-hmm. That would lead to a finale, right? A climax where he fights Doug as a monster. Yep. That does not happen. And you know what that would have sounded like? <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, <laughs> Sasquatch Claus is coming to town. Uh, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Um, <laughs> by the way, the movie, it's over. I mean, it's not over in that there's another ten minutes left. But, but the nothing happens. Uh, the, the, you would, Doug's death, by the way, just involves this weird edit where it suddenly is Eric walking up on the pickup truck where Doug is leaning out the window of it and there's like a pile of green goo underneath him or like green liquid. Yeah. So the implication is that he drank the... I mean, we didn't know for sure at this point. We, the implication is that he drank the green stuff but and it killed him, I guess. If I was Eric in this situation, knowing that people have a habit of coming back from the dead, you think he'd just chop his head off and toss it in the water or something You'd like think. that? Maybe he'd grow his head back. That'd be interesting to... Well, it's, to the, green, it's the green one, so who knows? Who knows what would happen? Not us, because we'll never find out. Maybe in the director's cut. <laughs> Maybe in the fucking director's cut. <sighs> so, everyone's dead, except for uh, except for Eric and for Laura. <laughs> so, who keep, uh, who decides, keep in mind, we have not seen for at least a half an hour. She still thinks that he died in the plane yeah. crash, theoretically. I don't know why he wouldn't have just told her he didn't. Uh, and, in fact, I don't know why she wouldn't suspect that he didn't. Yeah. Because he knew she, knew she knows about the fucking liquid. <sighs> so he steals the truck and he steals the envelope with the formula, uh, and he throws Doug's body on the ground because who gives a fuck? Sure. And he steals he steals his sunglasses, which is kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> and we see more walking. He walks to a pond. I think like his he... favorite pastime is like walking on walls. Yeah. I would say that you're right. Yeah, I like I like that we get a really nice shot of the river with this really bad like synth lounge music. Yeah, the music is terrible. Oh, it's scene. the worst. He throws something in the water. We know, Mo, you and me, <laughs> we know that it's probably the formula, right? See, I wouldn't it's... have I wouldn't have assumed it was the formula. I would have assumed it was the deal, the paperwork for the deal. Like the contract. Maybe. Maybe it is the paperwork for the contract. We don't know. In fact, it's even hard to tell what he's throwing in the water. If it's paper, if it, it's hard to say what yeah, it is. Because it's such like it's such like a long zoom in shot that like But if I had to, if I had to guess like what was going on in the plot, it would be that Eric is uh 
upset about all the killing that has happened around this formula. He's decided to get rid of it for good, and that's what his story is going to be. We don't get any sense of that, because, again, there's almost no dialogue at this point. Yep. So he throws it in the water, and then we get another very bizarre scene with Doug in the bathroom. Doug? With his pants... uh, Not Doug, that's me. There's a scene of me in the bathroom. I don't know why they put it in the movie. Yeah, it's so Uh, weird. Like, he's not wearing a shirt, and his pants are unbuckled. And he's looking in the mirror, and he could not look fucking dumber. Yeah, if you want want an example, if you want to see how dumb he looks, go to our Facebook page. There is a shot of this this scene. Uh, You know, I want to stop for a second and say, I bet Mike Stanley isn't an unattractive man or anything like that. And 2012, I'm sure that he doesn't have that haircut anymore. And it was, you know, it's 1992. People looked all fucking weird back then. I know, I was there. Uh, so I, I'm not. I don't want to be critical. As you say, in 1992, I was wearing Zubaz pants, so yeah. I, I get it. So he looks stupid because it's 1992. It's not just because he looks stupid, but in this scene, he looks fucking stupid. Yeah. And not only does he look stupid, he drinks some Doxital. Well, he right? puts it in his mouth. He puts it in his mouth. We see him. It just opens up the film can, <laughs> the, the like, like the the camera. Yeah, the 35 uh, yeah, so millimeter. We, you know, like. Film. Film canister, right. So, And then he drinks out of it, and some of it drips down his chin. And Which was a good improvise. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he spits it all out over the sink. Yep. What is this representing? Um, I'm, I'm asking legitimately. I'm, I don't know what it's supposed to represent. When oh, he I was going to say, out, I don't know. I mean, my be... mind was in the gutter, but... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we know he's a spitter, not a swallower. I get it. Uh, so, he spits it out. Is it supposed to be green when he spits it out? Was it green? It's hard to tell. I, we I think didn't it's really blue. talk about this. Blue. Yeah, but why did he spit it out then? My the big, like, No, I, the bigger question is why are his pants undone? <laughs> that, is, that is a better question, actually. <laughs> Because we get a really artistic shot, like, from his crotch up, you know, uh, looking looking up at his head. There's only really two interpretations of the scene. One is that he's decided that he's not going to take the serum anymore. Fuck this. I'm going to die like a man. Or number two, that he spit out the green stuff and he was trying, like, to poison himself because he's so distressed for some fucking reason. We don't know. I'm going to go with the blue. Yeah, okay, let's go with the blue. Doesn't matter anyway, because the next scene has uh, Eric at a restaurant using a payphone. Kind of. We don't know. Who... Yeah, he, he puts money into it. He decides against calling whoever he was going to call. And he buys gum and... instead. Yeah, he goes to one of those those machines where you can buy gum. <laughs> gum machines, like a gumball machine. Yeah. And then he goes to wait for a bus. This is in the movie, mind yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, while waiting for the bus, Laura, who is still alive, she's alive and she kicking. She sees him. She sees him, and then she sh- shouts to him and smiles. Eric. Yeah, she's happy to see him. And what happens then? <coughs> um, we cut to a church. Yeah, so that doesn't get resolved. Nope. Uh, we get. It's essentially the, the same shot from the beginning of the film. Of yeah, this. he's back in the confessional. He's talking to a priest that we never see because he's obviously not in a confessional. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think... I, did, did he say that it was a year ago? 
He says, yeah, in fact, I wrote down everything he said, Mo, so let me Please. tell you what he says. <laughs> he says that, that he's killed two men, right? And it's been a year, I think, since he killed those two men, one for killing his brother and the other for trying to kill him. And he's also had in his possession medicine called Doxital, as we know, that can grow back severed limbs and bring the newly dead back to life. To his knowledge, that Doxital no longer exists. So I guess he did destroy the, mm. the uh, formula. There were two batches. One was spoiled. He used that to kill one of the men, which confirms that Doug was killed by one of those batches. See, this is just exposition that we are now getting, right? Yeah. He says something very bizarre, which is, sometimes I wish there was a third batch to counteract the bad. How about instead of that third batch, you just get rid of all the bad stuff? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we should also mention that during this scene, it's cutting back and forth with ridiculously loud street street scenes of New, York. of New York and of a man who looks a lot like Doug yeah i think it's supposed to be Doug <laughs> walking the walking streets. around the streets of New York yeah <sighs> and then he finishes his uh confession by saying i'm leaving here father and i'm never coming back and then he does does the the classic Tommy Wiseau God forgive me and shoots himself in the head. <laughs> oh hi Eric. <laughs> uh so that is how the movie ends for no reason at all. Yeah. Like okay. So the Laura thing, he, maybe he was so like I don't know why he was so depressed for one thing. He killed all of his enemies just like he wanted to. Uh the plane crash thing I don't understand why that was a turning point or how that changed anything. It didn't. Apparently, the plane landed in Michigan, so it wasn't even that big of a deal for him. Uh, he kills his enemies. Laura is still there. She's still alive. She still wants to be with him. She's still really happy to see him. No resolution of that at all. The creatures are theoretically still out there, but we never see them or hear what happens yep. to them. Uh, he decides to shoot himself in the head for no reason. Yeah. Eric, the character, is a real stupid person. <laughs> <laughs> we watched a movie about an idiot doing fucking stupid things the entire movie uh, and then killing himself. That is what this movie is about. I, I really have a hard time thinking, you know, believing that Eric doesn't have some form of Asperger's. Well, the fact that his brother had obviously a mental condition, maybe it is something that was uh, that he inherited from True. him. Maybe it was undiagnosed in his case. Um, maybe all of the entire movie was a drug-induced hallucination, which is why they keep cutting back to that. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe Tony was really his geeky best friend or his doctor. Maybe Doug was uh, a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Doug was the rat who would visit him in his sleep. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, that's all... His uh, that's all of Dead is Dead. Uh, in fact, there's no uh, interesting things to note about the closing Nothing. credits at all. I, 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 even, uh, I even wrote down my final thoughts. Um, there was only one of them, and it was thank... And now Mo's final yeah, thoughts. Yeah, it was uh, thank goodness it's over. Uh, Dead is Dead is a shoddy film because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it, it was badly... Uh, it's hard to say if it was badly planned out uh, or if it was just troubled in terms of a production that made it as bad as it is mm. but it is kind of amazing to think that despite a it not making any sense and b really being piss poor that it got a fairly wide release 
and it has been re-released in the sense that there's a director's cut and there's a <laughs> revision <laughs> of the film that exists out there in the world. Yeah. That means that Mike Stanley, the director, thought that there was enough potential in this film or the content within that it is something worth revisiting. And you know what? I'm not going to say that he's wrong because I haven't seen those films. Yeah. There is a possibility maybe all maybe he lost like three quarters of the footage <laughs> <laughs> and he discovered it again a decade later and he was like, wait a second, the whole movie is here. And that's what we're missing out on. Um, but it's possible that he just fucked up and made a bad movie and uh, he really should just let it go. Maybe. Maybe. But I'm going to leave the po- ten, 10 out of 10 stars on IMDb. Better than Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> Better than Casablanca. Right? It's right, it's right up there with Las Vegas Bloodbath. Yes. Uh, so somebody out there, probably not the director, thinks that this movie is very good. So I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. One of these days, I'm going to seek out the director's cut and report back. Yeah, you, you let us know because I'm not going anywhere near it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Hope it looks better than this because the version that we saw of this movie, not only is it a bad VHS transfer, it looks shitty. Like it looks all washed out. It's really and fuzzy. Yeah, really bad. Dead is dead, Mo. Thank God. Next time on No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the next one because I think the next one's going to be fun. Next one, as opposed to this one, is going to be fun. Why? Why is it going to be fun? We're going to cover The Burning Moon. Olaf Ittenbox, 1997, The Burning Moon. A lot of people who haven't heard of Dead is Dead, in fact, which probably would encompass everybody listening right now, Mm -hmm. some of you have probably heard of The Burning Moon. It's, uh, in fact, just last year it got a pretty... Sort of, a, um, I think it got released on DVD uh, and got a even a couple of theatrical screenings. I believe I remember seeing a really cool poster for it. Uh, and some of you might know uh, the German Olaf Hittenbach's work. Uh, I actually one of the first movies that I saw when I uh, when I moved to Ontario, I got from one of our local art uh, kind of uh, rental places was his film Premutos, nice. which which is a fucking batshit crazy movie. Oh, it's really nuts, yeah. And most, uh, I think he's probably best known for A, being German, of course. His movies are all German. Uh, and B, that his movies are just horrifyingly violent. I mean, they really are violent movies uh, and, and gleefully violent. And, I mean, some of those movies, you might not have heard of them. You may or may not. Beyond the Limits is the one that I saw that is particularly rough. <laughs> uh, and then there's House of Blood, which also is known as Chain Reaction. I mean, his movies are really rough. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I've never seen uh, 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 the movie that we're going to see, The Burning Moon. That's right. Yeah, I was going to say, I have, yeah, this is, this is one of the few I haven't seen either because it was, it was so hard to find. Um, now, that, now that the DVD release is out, it's obviously a lot easier to, to get a hold of. And, and it does fit into our mandate, by the oh, way. Absolutely. In that it's, yeah, it's shot on video. Uh, it's from the late 90s, from 97, but it is made on a super low budget. The reason a lot of his movies are so violent is that he's also an effects person. Uh, so, you know, he's the guy who's, who does that for his own movies. Yeah. Um, and this is really where he got his start. So it's going to be really interesting exploring it. We don't get to see uh, a lot of films of this profile on the show, and we also don't get to see... Um, Films where the the directors go on have gone on to kind of bigger things, so it'll be interesting to check that out. 
Yeah. And uh, and see see what we think. I'm not saying it's going to be any better than Dead is Dead. No. I, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go so far as to say that it's probably not. You know, it 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 has the potential to. to I don't know. Whatever. Fuck it. It's yeah. It's better than Dead is Dead. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm just going to call it right now. Probably better than Dead is Dead. <laughs> we'll we'll give it a fair shake. Hey, we couple weeks we might be uh eating our words maybe 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 mo yes. you have a uh um profile like you you are well known as a man of the world of the people not really uh and of the internet sure so people sometimes they want to know what you're doing <laughs> what you're up to at any particular moment if they wanted to do that how would they go about it i don't think anybody wants to know what the hell i'm doing um uh, for me if they wanted to get in touch with me, obviously the easiest ways, uh, they could follow us on Facebook, mm-hmm. which is facebook.com slash nobudgetnightmares, all one word. That's really coming along well, by the way. Lots of great stuff goes up on that Facebook page. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy with, with, where, our, with where our Facebook page is going. It's, I, ste- I stepped on you a little bit there, Mo. It's facebook.com slash nobudgetnightmares, all one word. Correct. Um, if they wanted to follow me particularly on Twitter, I am at drunk on VHS. I am at Doug underscore Tilly T I L L E Y. I think I believe uh, he, in, in the next couple of weeks he's going to be changing that to uh, at just <laughs> underscore Tilly. <laughs> just underscore T I L L E Y. If instead of following us on our various social networks, uh, people wanted to just email us directly, how would they go about that, Mo? Well, seeing that that never happens, uh, I'll give them anyway. <laughs> it's a popular option. It's a popular option to ignore. It's, it's, it's the most popular option to ignore. Um, they could email us at uh, Daily Grindhouse. Oh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Uh, no budget nightmares at dailygrindhouse.com. Um, or if they wanted to be like the cool kids, they could email us at nobudgetnightmaresdg, as in Daily Grindhouse, at gmail.com. I'm not even going to make fun of it since no one emails us anyway. We're easy to get a hold of, everybody. Uh, and we should mention as well, Mo, since uh, we're talking about feedback a little bit, that uh, we're rapidly approaching an anniversary show for us. Yes. Yes. What episode is this, by this the way? This is episode 25. 25. So we're five away from what I consider... A landmark episode. The Big 30. Yeah, we haven't really done anything 30. since our 10th episode, um, which was our first landmark episode. Uh, we kind of skipped over... Except for the first one, Mo. The first one was a real landmark. The first one was... Oy. <laughs> <laughs> what a long, strange trip it's, it's been. It really has. I mean, it's, 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 it's funny when you sit back and think about it, like how many like ridiculous movies we've... You know, I mean, obviously now 25, but, uh, you know, just like, the, <laughs> is that how many these ridiculous fucking movies that we've been watching? And it's just, it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but yeah, we're, we're, we're approaching the, uh, the, the 30th episode and, uh, we, we, we threw the idea out on, uh, Facebook and Twitter not too long ago that if we were to do a, like a, like a listener feedback, you know, like a, you know, the directors, whoever, uh, gets their say, you know, uh, uh, who would if if anybody would 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 contribute and we got a lot of positive feedback back from that so i think we're going to move forward with with the idea um, yeah. Now, I think it will make it a very special episode. It'll make it a very special episode. So we you know, we're, we're extending our invitation uh to all um listeners but one. what? 
All but one. <laughs> yeah, all but one. Well, two, <laughs> two technically, but uh, all but one. Um, to any listeners, uh, anybody involved with any of the films that we've that we've covered, except for you know who. Um, you know, uh, any anybody who has differing opinions of us, anything, you know, than, than we do on any of these films, we want to hear from you. Um, you know, we will accept a, uh, whether it be written, you know, we'll read it out. Uh, or if um, if you want to have the ability to record audio, yeah, ideally, we would we would ask you record audio and send that into us uh, at one of the two uh, aforementioned uh, email addresses. It's going to be fun because we're going to get some quotes from some of the directors that we've covered here. Well, we've, I've, uh, I mean, I've we, talked we, to a, I've talked to a couple already, and I mean, and we and we definitely have a couple of guests already lined up for that episode. Yeah. So it's great that we've been able to keep pretty strong relationships with the people that whose films we've covered for the most yeah. part, uh, and even ones that we didn't necessarily love, or in the case of some outright disliked. <laughs> uh, but, you know, these people are, see what we're doing f- as what it is, which is, you know, we're, we're trying to entertain people, but we're walking through it step by step and we're explaining everything that we don't like and everything that we like as we go exactly. along. Exactly. It's a give and take. We go both ways on this thing. You know, we, we, we always explain, uh, you know, if there's something we enjoyed about the film, we, te- we say it. If there was something we didn't enjoy about the film, we say it. You'll notice, Mo, that I'm not John Cross, so when you said that you go both ways, I didn't make any (laughs) shitty comment about it. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so hopefully we'll be hearing from people. Of course, we'll be shouting out that same sort of message on our various social networks, so keep an eye out and uh, look forward to the But you've got five episodes. Yeah, it's going to be a while. It's ten weeks. We're every two weeks. (laughs) Ten weeks is a long time to to get something into us. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, Mel, what have you seen recently that piqued your interest? Oh, I saw a couple of doozies that I definitely want to talk about. Well, let's talk about those two doozies. <laughs> um, well, let's start with uh, with uh, an oldie but a goodie that I've been that I've been meaning to watch for a really long time. And when I say a really long time, I mean like fifteen years. And uh, finally, was able to get get my hands on a copy of it and, and watch it. And that is Chronos, uh, which right. I've really wanted to watch. For a long time, and absolutely adored it. It was so good. You're talking about Guillermo del Toro? Yeah. So good. Now, I believe that's out on Criterion. Is is that the one that you saw, or did you see just another copy of it? I think I just, just a copy. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing movie. It really, I mean, really is. Yeah, like Ron Perlman is awesome. Uh, really awesome. Uh, I don't know who, I I don't know who the actor's name, but the guy who played the main character did a really great Mm -hmm. job. Um, the little girl was great. Uh, the whole concept of the film I thought was really fantastic. And, uh, and I, I thoroughly recommend it to, you know, all one of you out there who may not have seen it, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm really late to the party on that one. Um, but, but, but then, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, something that I'm, you know, not that late to the party with, uh, 2011's, uh, father's day, uh, put out, oh, right. yeah, put out by Troma uh, and made by the Astron Six guys. Fantastic! What a great movie! Oh, that's great to hear. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I I've heard mixed things about. Oh no, like, Doug, uh, you will like it. Okay. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's it has just the amount of man on man rape that you enjoy. That would be a lot. <laughs> 
but in all seriousness, um, you know, the, the Astron 6 guys take a $10,000 budget and really make it look like a million dollars on that screen. It's really a, a well-produced, uh, funny, uh, original concept, you know, uh, sort of uh, comedic horror film. And I, and I really had a blast with it. Um, actually, I paired that up with, uh, with Dear God No, uh, oh, right. which I kind of wish I had watched Dear God No first. Because of the two of those, I, I was I was less impressed. Okay. It was still good, though. I liked it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it was what it was, and and it was still a lot of fun. But it's you know, I mean, sort of the difference between like a, a, like an A picture and a B picture, you know. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it sounds like you had a good time with those two movies, Mo. I've actually been going to the cinema recently to see newer films. I don't know what's going on. You son but of I've a seen bitch. Qu- I know. <laughs> but, and, and not even necessarily genre films. I'm just going to quickly uh, mention that I saw Seven Psychopaths. Yeah, I, the, uh, I, wanna, Martin McDonough's. I really want to see that. I think you'll really dig it. If you like In Bruges, which I think everyone It's one of my have. favorite movies ever, yeah. Then you will really love this. I actually think it might even be a little bit better. Nice. Uh, and it, it really... It's very cinematic. Uh, it has some amazing performances, and Sam Rockwell is just going to... I mean, even if you like Sam Rockwell, he is off the charts great in it. And Christopher Walken is great. And, and the, the, the way I see it, Colin Farrell, he's, he is at his best. Yeah. And even if you don't care for him in these Martin McDonough movies, he just gets him. I don't know why. Uh, I also saw... Pitch Perfect. Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you, before you go on to Pitch Perfect, um, <laughs> because we definitely need to talk about that one. But uh, but uh, I saw something online that was amazing, and everybody should go track it down and find it. Um, they did an interview with uh, three of the stars. I forget which ones, but it's like Walken, uh, Rockwell, and I forget who the last guy is. Probably Colin Farrell. Um, where they had them read scripts, like transcripts, of Honey Boo Boo. Right, and it's the greatest thing ever. Like re- have, listening to Christopher Walken read the the lines of Honey Boo Boo's mom, mate, that made my fucking day. It was one of the funniest things I've ever fucking heard. Uh, that, that sounds pretty. Amazing. Now I do not condone condone anything about Honey Boo Boo whatsoever, but check that out. Go find it if I if I can if I can find it. Uh, tonight I'll throw it up on our Facebook page, but uh, sounds you good. know otherwise go track it down yourself. All right, pitch um, perfect. Uh, right. Also, should mention that Tom Waits is in seven yeah. in the past, and yeah, and he's amazing, of course. When is um, he? <laughs> pitch perfect. Uh, it's about halfway through Pitch Perfect. Uh, Jill leaned over to me and she said, "Douglas, is this movie like?" Glee the movie and yes it sort of is like that <laughs> but it's it, you know what it's sweet it's really well made it's actually funny because it has so many really funny people in it uh, and it's it's better than I think the, the certainly better than the plot description would make you think mm. the performances in it are really great however at the end of the day if you don't really love that sort of it's very cookie cutter right you know exactly where it's going sure. and the, if you like people see uh, singing acapella covers of songs that you may or may not know, then then you might dig it. Uh, Anna Kendrick is great in it. I think she's really cute. She's amazing. She, uh, you know, it's it's funny. Um, I remember when uh, an old girlfriend of mine forced me to watch the first Twilight film. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember coming out of it thinking to myself that that she was the only thing I remembered about the movie, and I remember saying to myself, "She's going to have a really good career." And she and she and, and she and she's already there because I think the next movie I saw her in was uh, was up in the air I think 
mm-hmm. and she was ab- and she blew me away in that. So and 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 I've absolutely adored her in everything she's done since. She's great. She's actually really great in Pitch Perfect. And I did mention on Twitter last night. I made the controversial <laughs> statement that she looks very much like Adam. No, Scott. you're not uh, wrong. She looks like Adam Scott. It's really. But I'm creepy. I'm telling you, not only does she look like him, like the mannerisms are the same to the point where while I was watching her, and I'm a big Adam Scott fan yeah. from his uh, being on Comedy Bang Bang and from being on Parks and Rec, but her face looks so much like. I mean, it is. Eerie. It is really, really distracting for me. Yeah, well, you uh, know, I, I got a bone to pick with you because now I realize that I want to bang Adam Scott. I already <laughs> knew that. So I mean I Adam, call me. I'm making the I'm making the hand signal for call me. Uh, maybe? <laughs> uh, imagine anyway. a freeway with him and Andrew Ken- Anna Kendricks. It would be like I it would be like banging twins. Which is not a bad thing. Except one of them has a penis. Except one of them has a penis, which, you know, whatever. One of them is, like, more than a decade older than the other two. <laughs> True. I also saw Argo, which is excellent. Uh, for me, Ben Affleck is three for three in terms of his directorial. I got to tell you, I haven't seen any of his movies yet. I really should get on the other ones. Gone Baby Gone is pretty amazing, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, but Argo, it's uh, it's very tense. I didn't know the story that well. Uh, so a lot of it was new to mm-hmm. me, even if some of it was was very much dramatized. I will say that of the movie, like the first fifteen minutes, which is uh, showing uh, these these sort of riots and and tension developing outside the the U.S. embassy, is, uh, they're really amazing because they're recreations of actual events and they're done really really well nice. and it's very very tense. Uh, so like the first twenty minutes, I think are amazing. The rest of it is really good too. But uh, but those first twenty minutes, I thought were really great. Well, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of glad to see Affleck taking what was essentially you know a, a half joke of a of a you know acting career and turning it into something worthwhile. I will say that he's fine in the movie. He's playing he's playing a Hispanic character, and it's it's actually slightly offensive that they didn't hire a Hispanic actor to play yeah. it. But. Uh, but he's fine. But everyone else is better. <laughs> like it, it, it's not his fault. Uh, his, his the part that he plays isn't meant to have a lot of presence. Yeah, yeah. But like, but Alan Arkin is in it, and he is fantastic. Alan Arkin's and John awesome. Goodman. Yeah, and they're they're playing, and they have both kind of have light lighter characters in the film, and they're great. Alan, so, Alan Arkin yeah. directed last night's episodes of Sons of Anarchy. Are you sure that wasn't Adam? Adam Arkin? I'm sorry, my bad. Oh, now I feel like an asshole. I'm cutting that out. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> this whole segment is just throw that out the window. <laughs> uh, Mo, I, I think that before we finish up, we'll, which we'll be doing in just a moment, we should toot our own horns a little bit. What other podcast or uh, or product or whatever have you been involved in lately, Mo? Um, well, I mean, you know, the, the Drunk on VHS train is, uh, is still rolling. Uh, I'm still putting out weekly content. Uh, this last, uh, well, today I guess it would have been. I posted an episode with uh, uh, Tim Gross, who you might know from uh, BastardsOfHorror.com. He, mm-hmm. you know, he's an author and, uh, and and a film reviewer, and he podcasts with a couple other guys uh, on a show called Bloodbaths and Boomsticks. And speaking of Bloodbaths and Boomsticks, I guessed it on this week's episode. Um, uh, so almost unintentionally, they they contacted me uh, uh, pretty late on Sunday uh, when they record, and they're like, uh, "Hey, you know, our guy kind of bailed on us. You know, can uh, uh, can you can you come fill in?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. You know, I'm never never one to uh, to give up the opportunity to whore myself out a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, and I and I have 
uh, I have most of the rest of this month's uh, Drunk on VHS is already recorded, so that's good. So um, no no real work I have to do for the rest of the month other than editing, uh, which is nice and easy. But that that's about it. I mean, I think that's all I was really on this week. That's great. But it's something. No. You, it is something, and I'm sure you'll be on many things in the near future, and we'll all be looking forward to that. <laughs> now to the more important topic of me. <laughs> However, the one thing I will not be on. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, actually, I'm on no other podcasts. Uh, we have we ha- we actually have uh, some things uh, coming up that w- that should be pretty interesting. Um, but I was recently featured, Mo, <laughs> on on the list that you were very impressed with. <laughs> the list that I uh, didn't t- mock at all. <laughs> Here in Ontario, uh, there's sort of a, like a public television station uh, that's called TV Ontario, uh, which actually I didn't get back in Newfoundland, but is pretty popular here. Uh, and every Saturday night, they do Saturday Night at the Movies. It's a really well-known kind of tradition that they do films on Saturday night. Now, the host of that is Tom Ernst, and uh, he recently put together a blog post of the top 10 film-loving tweeters worth following. It should be noted that these are tweeters who have under 2,000 followers, and one of those people were me. <laughs> hmm. And you could tell that he like that he had written the article like that day uh because because he makes a he makes a, a comment in in it uh of something that you had made reference to like earlier that same day. So earlier that same day which I think it was the fact that I would wanted people to call me just Tilly from now on. <laughs> uh, but uh, which but I think he was, took it, a lot a little more seriously than I think you uh, <laughs> I think you intended. I should mention to everybody that everything I write on Twitter is a joke. <laughs> it's not meant to be taken seriously. Um, it was really humbling to be put on that no, list. No, congratulations. Of, that's, that's a good a thing. A lot of great people on it. And, I mean, it, it's only a small bit of recognition, but sometimes you, especially with us, even though we get a lot of great feedback, occasionally you feel like you're speaking into a void. You don't know if anyone is ever really listening. So uh, every once in a while, just getting a little bit of feedback like that is a really humbling but really kind of positive and motivating thing. I, so, I got to uh, tell so you, man, you know, like, like that's I mean, not necess- not so much with the podcast. I mean, cause I, I get I get a, 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 a you know, we, well, we, you know, and, and for my other show as well. I mean, I get a, mm-hmm. a nice steady uh, stream of feedback on the uh uh, on the Facebook pages, but like on Twitter, yeah, all the time. I feel like I'm just talking to nobody out there because, yeah, yeah, you know, I get no, I get, I barely get responses, and when I do, it's like you <laughs> or whoever your your newest friend is. <laughs> I, I like to. I like to grandfather people in. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, Bo, I think we've pimped ourselves. I think we've pimped the show enough for today. Uh, I just like to say. I love you, and <laughs> I love our listeners, I love the people who give us feedback, and I love some of the people who don't give us feedback, and I'd like to do this until I'm 95 years old. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. There's a lot of shitty movies there's, out there. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, too, not as many, yeah. but there's, there's a few of those. Well, that's, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the ones that, that, uh, that take all of the challenges of low-budget filmmaking and turn it into an awesome product. I've been a miner for a heart ago. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm getting old. <laughs> Don't make me whip out the ukulele and start playing. I will not make you whip out anything, uh-huh. though. I think we're done here. We're done. We're done like dinner. See you, everybody. Good night, everybody. Podcast you're currently listening to is part of the Second Unit Podcast Network. 
find all of our shows at 2upn.blogspot.com or on our Facebook under the Second Unit Podcast Network. Our fantastic list of shows include... Drunk on VHS. We came from the basement. The After Movie Diner. Something Weird This Way Comes. With Rue and Mo. No Budget Nightmares. And Doctor Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. The Second Unit Podcast Network, bringing you the action, leaving the boring stuff to the other guys. Oh my god, there's been a moon diving Phillips pile up on the highway!